Hey, I, I love this series that we've been in, and it's called The Seventh Floor. And it's about the distinctives of our church. And over the last number of weeks, you've gotten the chance to hear from our lead pastor, Eric Parks. You got to hear from Leonard uh, and Bria last week. And I, I just, if you're new here, maybe for some of you, this is your first time here. You are welcome here. We're so grateful you are here. But I want to walk through these four distinctives. Um, we, we talk often about Four City Church that we want to be people who uh, live a cruciform life. That's a life that's shaped and formed by the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And we want to be the kind of people who practice this kind of seven four culture, these distinctives. And so Eric talked about Jesus at the center. He talked about tables and how Jesus is at the center. And, and honestly, if we can learn to see Jesus at the center, it changes every conversation that we have. And then last week, I thought what Bria taught on was absolutely genius. It was a great, it was a great message. I, 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 I called her and I was like, where did you get that content? Like, did you, did you, and she's like, I don't know, I just, I just wrote it. I was like, that was genius. If you, if you listen to it, she had a number of points about when you are people who see Jesus at the center, it's going to force you to want to be proximate to people, not to perform, not to like, but you're going to want to be so close to people. And then she used two lines that I can't get out of my brain. Uh, she said, we have to be the kind of people who connect over correct. Sometimes for me, man, I, I, I could just be someone who's like, man, I, you got to work on your shot. You got to work on this. You, you, you root for the wrong team. But like, how do we be the kind of people who can actually connect, hear people's stories? And then she moved to that line, stories over stances. Man, that, that, that is just a game changer. And then the week before that, I thought Leonard, I was like, man, you should always only prep for two hours and then teach. Uh, someone, Trevor was supposed to teach. And, and he had this massive, like, uh, nerve issue in his back. And for Trevor, uh, who's got a great jawline, um, for him not to, not to want to teach, um, he called Leonard. Leonard's like, I can do this. And just the, the stories. You know, there, there's this moment when you see and you hear a message that you go, oh, this is, this is a message that is true of his life. And just the way that he sets the table, the way that he gets to know his neighbors, the way that he is just talking about this radical hospitality. I'll tell you, for me, it was the two just most beautiful just teaches that we've had, in my opinion, from these two back to back. It was just fantastic. Would you agree? It's just powerful. And, and he talked about setting the table, right? So when we have Jesus at the center, and when we've actually understood this acceptance of grace that Bria taught last week, and then we can actually give that grace away, and it allows us to set the table and be like, oh man, I want as many people, because Jesus at the center, I've accepted this grace, I want to give this grace away, and I want to set tables so that people can experience this grace, this hospitality, and the hospitality is a place where people from friend to enemy to stranger. That's where the whole concept of hospitality is in the original language. From friend to enemy to stranger would all feel welcomed at your table. And this is, this is the kind of church that we're trying to build. And, and if we can do this, man, I'll tell you, it's going to change, change some stuff. Now, many of you know um, 
earlier this month, I, I had the privilege to go to Portugal, to Porto, Portugal, um, where Port Wine is from. And uh, 10 of us, myself included, we hiked some 150 miles, I believe, um, on a long trail called the Camino. And it, it literally went from uh, Portugal all the way into Spain. And the reason this, this pilgrimage was such a big deal was because James, the son of Zebedee from the Bible, um, this is where he took the message to Spain. And because Jesus died, he buried, he rose, and there was no bones, uh, many of the, like, the first followers were like, well, where, where, where did James go? And when he died, they wanted to bring his bones to where he evangelized. And when Jerusalem got very, very dangerous, people, people believed in this spiritual practice of pilgrimage. And so they were like, well, let's just go to Spain. That would be fun. And so they began to walk this pilgrimage to Spain almost as the sense of, of being reminded of what we're called to do. But it was amazing because I've been thinking about the values, the distinctives of Forest City Church. And then I'm walking the Camino. I'm, I met people from Nigeria, from Canada, from Portugal, from Spain, from Australia, from Minnesota. That's a country in, unto itself. I, I, I met people from all over the world. And, and what I realized was every person I met, they said the same phrase to me. They said this, buen camino. And I was like, well, buen camino to you. Buen camino. Buen camino. And I'm like, I don't... I don't know what this means, but every, every person they'd see you walking with a backpack, you're walking, you're walking, buen camino, buen camino, buen camino. And finally I stopped someone and say, hey, excuse me, what, what, what does buen camino mean? I know this, this path, this pilgrimage is called the camino. And, and this, this, this person from Chile said, buen camino, it means the good way. I said, man, that's so beautiful, the good way. There's a whole bunch of people who are just encouraging one another to continue walking the steps, to continue on the good way. I just started to realize that I didn't grow up in a tradition that taught me the importance of a spiritual pilgrimage. I didn't, I didn't grow up where people were saying, buen camino, continue on the good way. And I began to realize, man, this, this is when I think about the church, how we are to encourage one another to keep taking the next best right step moving towards the good way. And Dallas Squillard, he, he writes and he says that our life, and we have all been invited to make a pilgrimage into the heart and the life of God every single day, every moment, every meeting, every interaction, every conversation, when we're in front of people or when we're by ourselves, we're invited to make a pilgrimage into the very heart and the life of God. And the more that we learn how to engage on this buen camino, this good way, the more as we walk in front of other people or walk alongside other people, we can continue to embody the good way, but also show them the good way. When I think about those values I heard Leonard talk about this on Wednesday, and I, I just I loved it so much. But these values really are biblical for us. If I start from the very, very kind of point that kind of launched us, it'd be Acts 13, 1. There's a group of six that were in a room, and they were praying. 
And these six, they were from all over the world. And they had gathered together and they were praying and it was like the spirit of God descended on them. And then all of a sudden they're birthed out from Antioch to go and began to launch these kind of beautiful missional communities. But Acts 13 couldn't have happened without Acts 2. And Acts 2 is where the Spirit of God kind of comes down. And it's, we know as Pentecost, and all of a sudden these believers in Jerusalem begin having this profound experience. And they literally just don't know what to do. So they just choose to incarnate the Lord's Prayer. If you ever read the Lord's Prayer in Acts 2, they are so profoundly similar. But Acts 2 would have never happened without Acts 1. And the final words of Jesus, he says, hey, wait here. Because the Spirit of God's going to come upon you in power. And you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I just love this because Jerusalem's the familiar place. And Judea, that was the people that were kind of less than. This is the people that we looked down on. Samaria was the people we can't stand. And the ends of the earth was the people that we had no desire to understand. What's so amazing is Jesus was beginning to usher this picture in that we would begin to walk this buen camino, this good way from our own personal Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth. And what we see is that it happens in Acts 13. And every single day we have the same invitation. When Jesus is at the center, when we have this acceptance of grace and this grace of acceptance, we want to set the tables and showcase a radical hospitality that is profoundly, beautifully diverse. And that's what we want. So what I want to do is I want to spend some time in a passage of scripture that I think is pretty unfamiliar. Um, there, the, the passage is John 14. John 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me into John 14. If you don't have a Bible, some of the verses are going to be up on the screen. Um, but if you have a Bible or a phone, um, you can follow along. And, and why I say John 14 is quite unfamiliar is because most times people speak, when they speak in the book of John, they're going to do John 3. That's a, that's a good one. Um, but they're also going to teach on John 13. And John 13 is, you know, the, the story of the Last Supper. That's the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Uh, John 15 is an amazing passage because Jesus is like walking his disciples and he stops at a vineyard and he just begins to write and speak this message that is just so beautiful about learning to keep the remain thing the main thing. How to remain and abide and make our home in Christ and that through Christ will bear much fruit. But John 14 is a little bit different. In John 14, 1, I'll read this. It just says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And Jesus says this because he's basically predicted in the passage before that is, oh yeah, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Hey, it's just what's going to happen. I, 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 you're earnest. You want to follow me, but, but when it really, really matters, there's going to be a moment and you're going to choose self-preservation. I get it. And I, I got to go. And I, I know what my father's up to. You guys don't fully understand it yet. And he just says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And the verse four, Jesus says, you know 
the way. Like, you know the Buen Camino. You know the good way to the place where I am going. And then it gets so human. It just gets so human because Thomas, the, the doubter, Thomas just said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Stop talking in parables, in pictures, and having props. Where are you going? And how do we go with you? And what, what, like, just tell us. Give us some sense of certainty. Help us understand. And Jesus just loves to let us live in the tension. Like, he gives you just enough to go, he knows what he's doing, but not enough to actually go, I know how to fully do it. Because what he wants is us to have this dependence on the Father. And I, and I think many of us, we get that. We just don't like that. <laughs> I, just, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I just want someone to tell me how to be. I, just want, I want someone to tell me what I need to do to win. And he's like, oh yeah, Buen Camino. There's a good way. There's a good way. There's a good way. Look what Jesus answers, verse 6. I am the way. Show me the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm the way. And the truth and the life. Now, stop right there. Way, truth, and life were synonymous with the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Someone would talk about how the Torah was known, you know, as like, this is this, these five books are going to show you the way to walk in step and in harmony with God. These first five books are going to be this truth that you can actually do the sacred mitzvot, the sacred deeds to walk in step in harmony with God. Oh, these, these, these five books are going to be life-giving for you. You're going, to, you're going to be able to choose life like it says in Deuteronomy 30. And Jesus goes, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I am the embodiment of the Torah. Even John in 1 John 1, 1 talks about this. What you have seen, what you have heard from the beginning, what you've seen in me, what you testify concerning the living word, the living Torah. That's me. He continues on. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip's like, yeah, yeah, I got a question. Raises his hand. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Just give us one more, one more grain, like grain of truth. Give me one more kernel. Give me one more thing that I, because like, that's good, that's good, but I need one more thing. One more sense. One more thing that I can just hold the whole thing and that, man, that, then we're good. Then we're good. And Jesus is like, don't you know me? That's his response, verse nine. It's not up on the screen. It's just in, the, in, in your Bible. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. <sighs> okay, let's just get this, let's just get this like real, really real. When people see you, what do they see? But really what Philip is, is getting at is he's like, man, just show me the Father. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I, I have. That's why Paul writes in Colossians, like, he's the image of the invisible God. Like, when you, when you, when you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. But you want to know what, you, what Jesus looks like? 
People are like, I just want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to see what Jesus is like. And then the, really the picture is look to the church. Look to us and to see how we embody the way of Jesus. Look to how we embody in the way that we love and care and see the way that we keep Jesus at the center. The way that we have this acceptance of grace and this grace and acceptance. The way in which we showcase this radical hospitality that is so diverse in such a beautiful way in such a divided world. And, and, and what's amazing is Philip's looking for proof and Jesus is inviting him into mystery. And I don't like mystery. <laughs> I just want to make it super plain. Just show me God. And then I imagine he'd be like, can I... Can I, like, sit on his lap? Can I talk to him? And, and, and again, Jesus is just trying to help him understand. And then look what it says in verse 12. It says this. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus says, Wait, wait, wait. I know you're asking to see the Father, but I'm telling you, you've already seen the Father. And when you actually do what I've taught you to do for the last three years, when you begin to embody, to love your neighbor, to sit with tax collectors, to have such a beautifully diverse community that allows a zealot to be next to a fisherman, that allows them to be next to a tax collector who is like a treasonous, hated person, to put all of those people together and be like, yeah, yeah, now go do that for the rest of the world. Not just in J-Town, Jerusalem, but in Judea where you think they're less than, or in Samaria where the people you can't stand because that's what you've been taught, to the place of the ends of the earth where you have no desire to understand. I want you to experience the Spirit leading you into that Buen Camino. And then Jesus, and the only way that Jesus knows how is he's like, I'm just going to even make it a little even crazier, a little bit more just mysterious and wild because he, he begins to take it and he starts to begin to introduce why the spirit matters. But before I jump there, I, I want to I give you an old quote. And this quote is from Thomas Merton. He's a Trappist monk. And if you've ever read any of Thomas Merton, he was known for spiritual pilgrimage. He understood some things. And he says this, the geographical pilgrimage is the symbolic acting out of an inner journey. The inner journey is the interpolation of the meanings and signs of the outer pilgrimage. One can have one without the other, but it is best to have both. What's he saying here? Is that every day we have an invitation and opportunity to go, as Dallas Willard says, invited in this pilgrimage into the heart and the life of God. There's this inward journey. But sometimes people who do the inward journey never actually open their life to see Jesus at the center at every table that they're at. And never actually put these distinctives in play. But sometimes people go through a whole life and they put these distinctives at play but they don't actually sit and reflect and enter into the heart of God. And so they just do, do, do. And some people just be, be, be. But what we're being invited is to become, become, and show the world what the good way is all about. Does this make sense? Now, let's take it even farther. 
Because John 14 is so rich. It's so rich. Look what it says in verse 15. It says this, if you love me, keep my commands. <laughs> Jesus just keeps saying this. In verses like chapters 13 through 17, he just keeps hitting this over. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You walk. You love your neighbor. You love God. And then he says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I'm sure Thomas is like, are you kidding me? And Philip's like, what are you talking about? I can't see the father. You're telling me just to follow your commandments. And now you're going to put some spirit inside of me. What are you talking about? And what's amazing is when I walk the Camino, has anyone walked the Camino? Anyone done it? We should do that next summer, all of us. It'd be amazing. You might lose a toenail and have some blisters on your feet. But, but here's the thing. When you're walking the Camino, you got your backpack. And, and you saw me a couple, like, month ago with it on. I, I ended up going a lot lighter. Um, I just was, like, just chucking things at every place. Just that backpack was too heavy. But the... The way that you know you're going the right way is all you're looking for is yellow arrows. It looks like this. And, and, and it just tells you. So you're just walking. You're like, yellow arrow. I'm going the right way. Yellow arrow. And that shell looks like the Michigan helmet, which is fantastic. Go blue. We beat Michigan State. But like, what's amazing is, is, is part of it is, is the shell of Spain on the water is how they baptize people. They would put water on the shell and they would baptize people um, along the way. And so this, the, this whole picture, and you're just, you just know, man, I'm going. And, and then there was one moment where I was just lost in a conversation with some um, couple from Germany, and then I realized, I don't know where the yellow arrows are. I, I, I'm, I'm lost. I, like, drifted off. And, and what's amazing is, is you can never be found if you never get lost. And, and what's so beautiful is just realizing, like, okay, how do I get back? And then I found the yellow arrow. And then I just kept walking and walking. And blisters kept forming and forming. But I, I found myself, since returning, is longing for yellow arrows. I mean, in a conversation, I'm like, Lord, where's the yellow arrow? Where's the yellow arrow right now? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Have any of you ever felt that moment where you're like, I don't know what to say or do in this moment. Okay, four of us, fantastic. Um, but, but, but there's these times, right? And, 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 and then I realized, this is what Jesus is saying, is like, do you know it's good for me to go? That I'm going to give you this advocate, this comforter, this counselor, this Holy Spirit. He's actually going to be within you. And at any moment of any day, you will have access to the way that will illuminate me in every situation, in every moment. And sometimes my scatteredness or ADHD or, or all of the feelings that I have sometimes can hijack my amygdala and my brain. But when I can slow it all down and I can begin to hear, there is a buen camino. There is a good way. There is a spirit that wants 
to see Jesus embodied in this moment. So look, look, what, look what he continues on to say in verse 25 and 27. And, and I really challenge you this week. Read John 13 through 17. Maybe just Monday, chapter 13, Tuesday, chapter 14, Wednesday, chapter 15, Thursday, chapter 16, Friday, 17. Just spend some time in it. Let it just wash over you. It's so rich with theology. But in verse 25, he says this, Jesus All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then look at this, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's how he started chapter 14. And do not be afraid. Jesus gets really, really shepherd-like. Very, very pastoral in this moment. I just imagine almost like a coach just like getting down. He's like, guys, guys, come here, come here. I can see that you have this sense of anxiety. It's not certain. I don't know how all this whole thing is going to play out. We were just eating dinner and I told you that Judas is the guy who's gonna betray me and I told him to just go ahead and do it quickly. I told Peter he's gonna deny me. And you know I'm not gonna be here. But I'm not leaving you. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I just think it's so moving that he could probably feel and read the room enough to recognize in the midst of uncertainty, there was a level of anxiety and he just said, Shalom. Peace be with you. The peace that I have, I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And really, I think sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit in moments of spiritual gifts, which is beautiful. That's a sermon I'd love to give. We talk about it in in realities to worship, to freedom, all of that's beautiful. But you know, oftentimes what I don't often hear about is how the Spirit of God in the midst of adversity and uncertainty and struggle and mystery has the ability to allow you to exhale slow it all down and to experience the good way. This isn't exactly from Thomas Merton, but this has been attributed to Thomas Merton. I've held on to this for about 15 years. It's shaped a lot of how I understand this inward life and this outward life. And what Merton was known as as a contemplative activist. So don't get lost in the words, but just give me a second to explain. The way that that Merton understood this is something that he recognized in the gospels as he looked to the life of Jesus. Jesus would have this public ministry and then he was like, yeah, I'm gonna get on a boat. He would just go be by himself. And then he would go spend time with the father and then he'd go out and he'd heal and he'd sit and he'd talk. And then he's like, I'm gonna go on a mountainside be by myself. He had this ability to go in and to go out. 
And this is the invitation for every one of us. Because when you live an activistic life and you sit at a table with people who are so diverse theologically, politically, economically, racially, whatever, whatever, whatever categories we want to give it, if you sit and you really listen to the stories all of a sudden and you try to remove judgment, remove some sense of subconscious or conscious bias, you try to remove all of that, you're going to sit there and go, how did you make it? How did you do that? How did you get through that? How did, how? Because that's so different from my paradigm and perspective. And if you're like me and have sat in those situations, you know what it does? It brings me right back to the heart of God. And I'm like, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why this would happen. I don't understand why people have to live like that. I don't understand whether these systems or these issues or these problems or these places of oppression or injustice. Why? And I have to like come back to the peace I give you. And then it sends me right out. And then it sends me right back. And it sends me right out. And it sends me right back. And what's amazing is the the beauty of putting yourself in moments of cognitive dissonance is it has the profound invitation of spiritual pilgrimage to be invited deeper into the heart and life of God. But here's the invitation. Do you want that? Because what's wild, what's wild is, you know what I don't get? I don't get the kind of energy that I get sitting with my feelings or with struggle or with suffering or with uncertainty like I get when I get mad. And I got a little Irish in me. I got a lot of Irish in me. And I, I, I want to win. I want to move fast. I want to go and build and I want to do things. I, I, I feel like I want to achieve. And man, along this desert journey over these last number of years, I just keep coming back to, man, there's a better way. There's a better way. One of the pieces that I've learned is in this contemplative activism is, is learning not to just achieve my way through things but learning how to grieve. I love that Jesus once once again says, do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. The peace I have that allows me to walk this earth, I've given to you. I've given to you. And the Spirit's gonna allow you to walk in that. Many of you know that this has been a a, a bit of a difficult week. Um, Actually, tough 10 days. Um, one of my closest friends on the planet, uh, Jared Wilkins, 40-year-old, went in for back surgery, pastor of four, and uh, came home and just having a little bit of complications, but I just thought it was like medication. We're all texting, talking trash about sports. And there's a blood clot. I don't, I don't know how to make sense of that. 
You know, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of that. I call his wife and Shauna is a dear friend and, and she howls on the phone. The way that I process, I usually just go to my brain and shut down and then remove myself, get angry, start thinking things, saying things to myself. Then I get to a point where I start crying. There's a whole like process of my childhood in that. But to hear her cry, I can't get it out of my brain. And I know, I know for some of us, we're grieving. I know that even in this community over the year, there's so many highlights and stories, but there's also been loss. There's been loss. We lost a dear volunteer, fellow Michigan fan, a brother. We've lost people. So I want you to know that like in the uncertainty, I have to come back to these words of do not be troubled. The peace that I have, I give to you. And I'm trying to trust that. Like the advocate and the comforter and the counselor I'm trying to trust that. So here's what I want to ask you. Because what I want to do is not just give you application. I want to give you spiritual practice to help you embody a more cruciform life. And so this is, this is what's been helpful for me to walk the good way. And, it, and it, it's this, okay? Can we, can we do a little play, like participation? Is that all right? Practice? Is that okay? Some of you are like, just get me out of here. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to get comfortable for a moment, okay? I just want you to get comfortable. I'm going to get comfortable on my little stool. Such a, such a wee little stool. It's going to break someday. It's going to be a meme. All right, so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to think right now something that is just it's like the RPMs just continue to rise I don't know maybe, maybe it's some level of uncertainty maybe it's a relationship that's broken maybe it's something that you're grieving maybe it's loss and here's, here's what I want you to do I want you to take your hands if you will there's no pressure if you don't want to do this you don't have to do this, this is, you can be in all play it doesn't have to be I want you to take your hands. Just put it over your heart. Just put it over your heart, okay? And I just want you to feel your heartbeat. I want you to just breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. And I want you to hear these words. Three words that became really, really important for me over the last number of years was grieve, breathe, receive. To grieve what is. To grieve what I thought it was going to be. To exhale fear or anger or worry and inhale as the book of Lamentations, a book all about lament says, 
his new mercies that are new each morning. And then to receive, to open myself up to receive what Christ has, what the Spirit has in this moment. So I want to give you just a moment just to breathe in, to exhale, and just to spend some time with God just saying, man, here's, here's what I'm grieving. For me, I'm, I'm grieving Jared's loss. A smile. to get to that moment and there's no rush, there's no forcing. It might not be in this service, it might be two, on Tuesday. But when you can get to that moment of receiving, I'm trusting you, God. You can move your hands from your heart to an open posture, just as a sense of, Lord, I receive your peace for right now. I'm gonna try my best to not be afraid and not be troubled and to trust. those values back up just one more time. Jesus at the center. Grace and acceptance. Radical hospitality. Beautifully diverse. Spirit of God just moving us, moving us, moving us from our own personal Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And all along the way, we're going to have moments where we're just going to have to sit and come back to Jesus to rest, sometimes to grieve, sometimes to breathe, sometimes to receive, but to keep walking in trust. And I just imagine a church that can look at each other and say, Buen Camino, good way. You're showing me the good way. A church that can sit and grieve together, a church that can just breathe in the new mercies, and a church that can receive how the Lord wants to surprise us. I'm so grateful you came this morning. And we're just getting started. For some of you who might be here for the very first time, we have this awesome table and some of my favorite people are gonna be down front. They'd love to connect with you. We got kids downstairs, so make sure you get them. Awesome coffee in between service. Bria, Andy, Leonard, Stephen, myself, Trey, Andy, we, we'd love to talk with you, but more than anything, we just wanna connect or create space where you can connect with each other remind each other when Camino. Can I just give you a blessing and then we'll dismiss you. Would you mind standing and just putting your hands out to receive?
with your hands open. My brothers and sisters of Forest City Church, may you know that you've been invited into a pilgrimage, a sacred journey, a sacred walk into the heart and the life of the one true God. And may this week, may you know that you're not alone muster up the pressure or the courage or the strength to do this. You get a rest and an advocate and a counselor who's got you. And I pray that you, as you walk these steps into the marketplace, into the kitchen, into the school, into the neighborhood, into the coffee shops, that you, with your one and only life, would point people to the true Buen Camino. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace.